Hey there, welcome to Disco in the Library, where I and some featured guests will be covering many different topics to assist and help you grow at Southern Ohio Medical Center. We hope that you learn something along the way. I am your host, Megan Gladel. Let's dive into this episode. Hello again. Today we are rejoining our preceptorship series and today's topic is fostering critical thinking. All nursing faculty and staff development educators can agree that the skill of critical thinking is essential in providing safe and comprehensive patient care. And although we agree on that point, we can't agree as what actually defines critical thinking. That's a hard one. And because of this, teaching somebody how to critically think can be really difficult. It follows then that if there is no clear definition of critical thinking and no agreed upon curriculum, the determination of how to evaluate the skill in the preceptee can also be unclear. And sometimes even more challenging is how do we integrate critical thinking into everyday nursing practice? So keeping all this in mind, it is essential that the preceptee be taught to think critically and that his or her ability is evaluated on how they do it. Critical thinking, problem solving, and decision making are crucial to the practice of the registered professional nurse. So that being said, I have to remind you that this content is available for contact hours. So Southern Ohio Medical Center is an approved provider of nursing continuing professional development by the Ohio Nurses Association, who is an accredited approver by the American Nurses Credentialing Center's Commission on Accreditation. Participants must attend 100% of the session and complete the evaluation slash quiz and net learning to receive continuing education credit. There is no conflict of interest for anybody in a position to curl the content of the activity and the expiration date is July 31st of 2025. It's still, if it is still relevant at that point, we will extend that and update the dates. So since I told you that it's really hard to define We're going to try to define it in the best way possible. So critical thinking per our definition today is a kind of thinking in which you question, analyze, interpret, evaluate, and make a judgment about the type of information that you have. So we are going to discuss critical thinking, and it's been discussed in the past um, in a relationship to how the nursing student or new nurse is performing. People always ask, are they able to critically think? And The hard part is, like we said, defining it. Everybody's got a different interpretation and definition, so that's the definition that we are going to do today. But we can all agree that in critical thinking, it has to include an interpretation or analysis of an issue or problem, followed by an evaluation or judgment. They take the information they have, they put it all together, and they make a decision to act based on the information they have. Sometimes it requires that the person has knowledge, background information, and that can't sometimes just come from books. Sometimes it has to come from practice, experience, those kind of things. It's not a natural skill that we're born with. It takes time and effort to learn it. And people have to be willing to pursue the truth wherever it may lie, push through those challenges, evaluate their own thinking fairly. And sometimes they have to let go of what they used to know and move forward in more valid ways of reasoning. And it is learned by answering challenging, open-ended questions that require genuine inquiry, analysis, or assessment. So in my references, you guys will see um, what I am directly reading from from this is Fast Facts for the Nurse Preceptor. It's a great book by Maggie, I think you say her last name, Sioko. 
but it's wonderful. The critical thinking chapter is so well done. So a lot of this information is going to come directly from her chapter. So if you have a love for precepting and want some more information, this is a great resource. And you can find the information on this book in my resources on this PowerPoint. So that being said, an important skill and way to teach the new employee, new nurse, student, how to critically think is to, as a preceptor, role model good critical thinking skills. Part of that starts with creation of a safe learning environment. Build that rapport, make them feel comfortable, make them feel like they're, you know, I always tell, try to tell my students, there are seriously no dumb questions. I want you to ask. That's how you learn. Not only that, I may be in my own mind thinking that I've explained something well or that they have prior knowledge, and it may be something that they're not familiar with. So I always want them to feel comfortable coming to me when they're not sure, when they have a question, because that's what we want them to do. We want them to ask questions. We want them to also challenge what their thoughts are, their feelings, how they've always been taught to practice, because you can't improve, you can't grow if you're not willing to step out of the box that you've always known and embrace change. So challenge what they currently know, thought, and feel. We also want to give them time to process. I do this or try, let me say this, I try to do this with my kids a lot. Um, they seem to think that mom is Google. And I know some of you guys probably can relate to this, right? So I have thankfully very intelligent children. They're extremely inquisitive and they ask me the most off-the-wall questions. And sometimes it is better for mom not to just give them an answer. And a lot of times I don't have any idea what they're asking me. Let's be honest. They, they ask me some really hard questions. Um, but I try not to always give them a quick, easy answer just to like check that off and move them on and out of my way. But a lot of times I give them time to process. I said, that's a really good question. Have you done any research on that? Or have you looked that up? Usually I say, have you Googled that? Because let's be honest, my kids are at this point almost 12 for the twins and Emmett's 10. Um, and I'm like, have you looked it up? Or, you know, have you checked Google or have, depending on what it is, have you checked this website? Um, as they're getting older, Eli just built his first computer. He's almost 12. And mommy knows nothing about computers. Like if it's not Microsoft Word, PowerPoint, or like a basic search engine, I don't know it. And I'm like, have you watched a YouTube video to try to figure out how to do something? And I feel like our society is really into instant gratification. So bringing that back around for me rambling about my kids, I think sometimes sending students, sending new grads, um, sending new employees out to say, hey, that's a great question. Why don't you pull the policy on that? Or why don't you look up an article on that? Read it, and then we'll talk about it after you do that. So giving them time to process, giving them some time to figure some things out on their own or do their own research is a great teaching tool um, that I don't feel like any of us use enough because we are so focused on getting it done and moving to the next thing, that instant gratification or just trying to move through all of our tasks that we forget that sometimes like independence is a great teaching tool. Okay, moving on. Um, thinking out loud is most definitely role modeling critical thinking skills. So as you're doing a dressing change, if you explain to them, yes, and we measure this way, that way we hit everything, or if we use this type of dressing because it reduces risk of infection, shearing, blah, blah, blah. If you talk them through things, that is an exceptional tool. Sorry, I had to pause. Um, I think I was thinking out loud, but just 
as you're doing things, sometimes, especially if it's something they haven't seen before, explaining to them why you're doing it, why this is the best way to do it, what makes it evidence-based. Um, I think sometimes a great example of this is like how you cluster your care and explaining to them, like, I'm going to grab this, this, and this in anticipation that, you know, maybe it's meds and and treatments and you know you're going in the room at maybe it's 8 45 and your meds are due at nine but then you also have something due at 10 and you know by the time you go in there maybe you take your computer and you do your charting and things while you're in there but talking them through while you're preparing and doing things a certain way they're learning from that and they're like oh that's a great idea so they're absorbing that just as you talk and think out loud charting to teach I think especially those first few weeks when you have a new grad that hasn't taken boards yet I think charting to teach is exceptional because they can't chart on their own um, and let's be honest our documentation system is heavy right there's a lot of forms there's a lot of different things that they have to do and I think having them watch as you document and walking them through they're absorbing so much about that system and two, how it relates to the care that they're providing to their patients every day, that by the time they get to log in and maybe do their Meditech training with CIS and actually get to utilize that system, I feel like they're so much better prepared and they have such a better understanding whenever they're finally out on their own of that system. So I think that's a great opportunity. Pre and post conferences are also on here. Um, and I think that's a, another wonderful suggestion that before you go in or before you assign a patient is another option. You know, you walk them through the things that you know, and then it's like, all right, so here's our patient. I'm trying to think of an example off the cuff. Um, maybe it's a post-surgical patient and, you know, we're monitoring X, Y, and Z. What are we monitoring that for? Or what labs would we like to make sure are good? Or, you know, the little things that like, yeah, we realize that fever is a sign of infection, but maybe we don't put it together two and two with Lee's labs that are going to jump up and why a post-surgical patient is a high risk for infection or XYZ. I think that, you know, we are taught things in school and we compartmentalize those things with specific body systems or with specific things. And I don't think we open our minds up to how all those things work together until we're in regular everyday practice. So I think pre and post conferences are great for that, that, you know, here's our patient. This is the diagnosis. This is what we're going to do for them today. What other things might you look for or watch with this patient? I think those are great options. Um, the enhancement of learning with specialty procedures. So that's an awesome one, and especially depending on where you work, dressing changes, skills, watching a surgery, um, seeing how meds are prepared, all those specialty things really tie in the bigger picture with healthcare and how it's a bunch of moving parts that are supposed to work together seamlessly. But as we know, like sometimes that's easier said than done. But I think anytime you can allow your student or your new grad or your new employee to watch those different procedures or to participate if safe in those procedures, they're going to learn more and have a better understanding of the whole process. And again, give them scenarios and ask questions. You'll notice that's on there twice because it's so important, you know, when you're taking off orders. So why do you think the provider ordered this, you know, this medication, this test, this procedure, like whatever it might be, why do you think they ordered this and have them like try to work through that with you? What do you think is going on with this patient? You know, bigger picture, what, you know, what do they think is going on? And then what lap values or tests would you want to look at or anticipate being ordered or, you know, mention to the doctor? 
based on this information you have. Just involving them so much and not only what the task list is, but that bigger picture is really going to move critical thinking forward for your new or um, new nurse, new employee, new student. All right. So the promotion of critical thinking with questioning, like we said, ask questions, right? So assessment-based questions. Here's a couple options. Tell me about our patient, right? Have them give you a real quick report. That's a great, easy way that doesn't take a lot of work on your end um, just to get them to give you some more information and see if they recognize what bullets are really important for them to hit. What do you think's contributing to this lab result? You got a wonky, uh, unregular lab result. What do they think is making that happen? Another example, um, what do your findings represent? Or after assessing your patient, what other information do you feel like you need? Those are great options. Another option is planning. So is there any aspect of care you could delegate to another team member? You know, helping them learn to prioritize their time is a big one with critical thinking. So that clustering of care, like we mentioned, or is there something that you could delegate that task to um, a nurse tech or a, you know, unlicensed personnel, I guess. Maybe there's a nursing intern on your unit and it's like, hey, you know, if you've got a lot of things to do, maybe they could get your vitals or maybe they could get your glucose or maybe they could turn your patient. That way you didn't have to do all those things by yourself. Another one is helping them establish a priority list for the care of their patient. So you can't do everything at once, but you can prioritize and better use your time. So that's a great thing to introduce critical thinking. All right. Um, other options in planning based on your assessment, what are the nursing diagnoses you've assigned to this patient? Um, what are the next steps you're going to perform for this patient? And what do you hope to achieve for your patient with these plan steps? Or, you know, just as simple as, okay, if we do this, what do you think will happen? So super easy. There's lots of different great questions that you could ask. Um, I did all those. So implementation. What is this treatment? What tests are needed, et cetera? Why are you completing blank this way? Like, what's their thought process? What actions do you think you should take right now? Like, what's most important? Back to that prioritization. What do you think we need to do right now for this patient? Why do we need this medication treatment lab work? What might the side effects of this new medication be? You know, we're getting ready to give this new medicine. What would the side effects be? And then if they're not sure, have them go look it up. They need to learn how to do that and realize that that's an important part of their role when they're not sure. All right. Um, another really good one that I like for implementation, what assessment findings do you need to check prior to performing this action? So maybe, you know, before you call the doctor for orders, what do you need to do? You need a new set of labs. You need to check the um, vitals again, all those things, and get it in SBAR format, right? So those are the things that we can teach critical thinking. And another great one, how can you act for a patient advocate in this situation? So great suggestions. On evaluation, how do you know these actions that you've done have been effective? What changes would you make for the plan of care after this patient evaluation? Or how do we reprioritize the patient's care now based on what we know? All right. Um, see if there's another one. What evidence can you provide to demonstrate that your plan of care was effective? So some good ones. Or what data are you reviewing that prompted you to change your plan of action? Maybe they got a new lab and they're like, we need to do this. Okay, what makes you think we need to do that? And then they can tell you what it's related to. So, you know, 
if they're able to answer those questions easily, they're moving along. But if they have a little bit of a hard time, if they're unable to answer the questions, it's okay. That means you're doing your job of challenging them, right? So start asking questions again, but start with something more basic and work your way up to more complex. So if they're struggling with something that's higher order thinking or higher level, pull it back and start more basic and build upon those basic thoughts, those basic knowledge and critical thinking until they can work their way there. It doesn't have to take a lot of time. It's more about guided and directed questioning to get them where they need to go. It's more effective than saying, we do it this way, or we need to do this. Make them like put the pieces together. So back to that promotion of critical thinking, help them think ahead. What complications could occur with this patient? Thinking in action, what supplies are you going to need before we go in the room to bundle or cluster your care? And then thinking back after we've done something, what do you think was the most important patient issue that we need to consider from today? Those are all great teaching opportunities. We also wanna um, role model and foster teamwork with peers and interdisciplinary departments and manage others up. You know, nursing works hand in hand with not only doctors, physicians, PAs, nurse pracs, the um, healthcare provider part of the team, but we work with respiratory, we work with social work, we work with lab, we work with x-ray, and I don't want to leave anybody out. We work with pharmacy, therapy, right? PT, OT, all those people. Um, and we could not do our jobs without housekeeping, without dietary. We need everybody, um, staff on the unit to help us take orders and those kind of things. So manage other departments, manage other team members up and make them see that that's part of that critically thinking too because if you treat other departments and interdisciplines with respect when your um, respiratory therapist notices this lab value changed or that the patient's not doing well they'll come to the nurse right and they'll say hey have you noticed that in room 304 x y and z is going on um and then you're like um your unit clerk or help on the unit They'll come and say, hey, did you see that you have new orders, which is a tremendous help for your new grad or your new employee, because then they've got other people helping them manage that care and pointing out things that maybe they might not have time to check or might miss for a while until that happens. So that's a great suggestion. And then also encouraging SBAR. I know it sounds silly. I and, and I know we've been taught it, you know, for eons and all the way through school, hopefully, but encouraging them that it's really not just us talking about it. It's an effective tool that we all need to use. And part of that is model talking as you do. You know, I'm doing this because blank, whatever it may be. I think this will happen. So I'm going to do this. Showing them like how you're thinking and how it's affecting how you act and do. All right, so next up, we've got review of written work, documentation, and policies. So we want to give our preceptee a chance to review the patient assignment and the patient's chart. So if that means they come a little bit early, I think that's awesome. If you need to get here with them early, that way they have a chance to dig through all that and look at it and ask questions. I think that's wonderful. We also want to review a completed plan of care together and have the pre ask the preceptee what alternate or additional way care could be completed. Maybe they've got other ideas and they've got fresh eyes, so that's great. So maybe give the preceptee an assignment every once in a while and have them formulate a new plan of care and explain their rationale or come up with a new relative um, diagnosis, nursing diagnosis, and say, hey, what would you do with this? 
and have them explain their thought process. So it's an opportunity also to review organization and unit specific policies and procedures. So if they're not sure, say, hey, I bet you could log on the internet and check out MCN Manager um, and they can pull policies, procedures, all those things. They can look at Elsevier, how to do things. Um, so that's a great learning tool for them to utilize. So also with critical thinking, you need to evaluate your precepting or teaching style. So do you look for new opportunities for your preceptee? You know, if you've got across the hall, one of the other employees or nurses on your unit, maybe they've got a thoracentesis at the bedside today and your new grad hasn't seen one. It's okay for you to say, hey, can my grad come over and watch this procedure happen with you? That's great. Look for new opportunities for them and don't think they just have to be in that box of your patients. Do I ask questions, like I said earlier, instead of giving answers? So it's okay to say, hey, why don't you look that up and give them time. That's a great way of teaching. Do you give your preceptee credit for thinking outside of the box? Do you brag on them when they do something really well? Because everybody likes a pat on the back, some kudos. So I think that giving them credit when they're doing something awesome just encourages them to continue that methodology and that critical thinking. Do I use different teaching techniques to apply all learning styles? You know, it's not just hands-on. It's not just telling them what to do. Give them opportunities to look things up, watch videos, lots of different ways of doing things. Do I view and use mistakes as an opportunity to grow? And a lot of that is just knowing that we were all new once and that we all need a lot of grace and forgiveness sometimes. And I'm not saying that they should be able to practice um, dangerously. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm just saying that I know that I've made mistakes in my lifetime and especially in my career and not only that, my personal life. Um, and I hope to goodness that people don't judge me just based on my mistakes. And we shouldn't do that for our um, preceptees either. You know what? If they screw up, let them own it. And they should, right? And then say, hey, that's okay. You know, we've all been there. Let's move forward and do this. So show them, you know, hey, this is what didn't go well. I think I know what you were trying to do, but here's what I would suggest for next time. And move forward and let them know that, you know, we all need grace sometimes and that's okay. Do I acknowledge that true competency is more than correctly performing a skill? You know, I taught nursing school for four years and I absolutely loved it. Um, and it was great when my students were able to get that Foley cath and maintain sterile technique the first time with a patient. I loved it. It was great when they got that first IV because that's always a big one, right? When they successfully got that first IV and I loved it and I celebrated that with them. But there's so much more to being a good preceptor than just teaching skills. Um, and we brag on them for those skills. I think we all do a really good job with those tangible things that it's like, yep, check that box. You got it done. I feel like we don't brag on people enough for like recognizing or like catching med errors, which is so silly um, to think about it that way. But recognizing like, hey, good job. You did those five rights and you recognize that that was put in wrong. You prevented that error from reaching the patient. Great job. It sounds wonky, right? That does not sound like anything we would do in real life, but those are the things that we should congratulate them on too and realize that those are major hurdles that takes higher level order thinking, critical thinking for them to recognize. So make sure we brag on them um, for true competency and not just skills. And the last thing with your precepting style, 
Are you a positive role model? Are you a pleasure to work with? Are you happy to teach and take the time to grow new employees and students? Are you um, positive about your employer and not grumbling? Because, you know, sometimes things are hard. We've, you know, recently still surviving COVID. I would love to tell you that we have survived, but it seems like we're still doing with it. And sometimes healthcare is a rough place to work, right? It's not always sunshine and rainbows, but are you showing them that you enjoy going to work every day? Are you showing them that you enjoy teaching, that you enjoy your teammates, you enjoy providing care to our patients um, and being positive and not just plastering a smile on, but being genuine with it, you know, and that you enjoy teaching and that you love the nursing profession. So check yourself sometimes and just say, you know, am I a positive role model? Because I know I have my moments that I could do better. All right. So we talked about being positive and good role modeling of critical thinking. On the other hand with that, sometimes we've got some squelchers or some things that like Debbie Down, um, critical thinking and make people quit asking good questions. So um, sometimes we all fall short and we need a little grace and we miss the mark. So some of those examples, number one, not learning from or admitting our own mistakes. I have a really hard time sometimes. I bring my kids up a lot and I, I apologize. That's just my life right now. My husband travels with work and they're, if I'm not at work, my kids are with me all the time. And sometimes I get frustrated and I may not be frustrated with them. I may be frustrated with something from work or I might be something frustrated with something at home and occasionally like I mess up and I yell at my kids or I blame them or take out on them something that's not necessarily their fault and it's really hard sometimes as a mom to say I'm so sorry I didn't you know I yelled at you and I shouldn't have or I blamed you for that and that's not your fault it's the same way at work when we screw up we need to own it and we need to admit our mistakes and apologize for what we did wrong um, another squelcher or downer of critical thinking is just telling people, well, this is how we do it because it's the way we've always done it. Well, evidence-based practice, dude, right? Like if there's a better way, if there's a safer way, if there's a more effective way, then we need to change and we need to embrace that change, even though sometimes change is really hard. If there's a better way, we need to go that way. All right. Uh, another example is solving problems in isolation. Um, and what that means, you know, we don't need to work in silos. We're part of a team. And I think problem solving in general, if you get in a pickle or there's a difficult, difficult situation, I think this is one of the prime role modeling opportunities of critical thinking is show them how you work through these problems. Show them the steps to take or where they go for resources, help, whatever it may be. Because in their independent practice, someday they're going to face hard situations. So showing them how to solve those problems in the future is a great opportunity to role model critical thinking. Next up is completing the task for the preceptee. And I think we're all guilty of this because it's so much easier. Like I always get tickled. And I think I mentioned this in the intro section that, um, you know, it takes a lot of extra time when you have a preceptee. Everybody always thinks, oh, two are better than one. And if you've precepted before and you're familiar at all, you know that that's not the case. It takes a lot longer to explain and teach um, than it would if you were just doing it on your own. So I think we all fall into this um, bucket sometimes that it's just easier to do it than let the preceptee try or explain it or all those things. But it really doesn't help the preceptee learn. So we just don't want to do a task to check it off. Now, 
that being said, if it's something that the preceptee has seen 15 times and they've been deemed competent and marked off and you guys are short for time, if you're like, hey, why don't you go in this room, start the assessment, I'm going to go in here and do this, you know, finger stick or whatever it may be and get it done and then I'll meet you over there and we can review your assessment findings together. I think that's perfectly acceptable and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I think if you're just trying to get something done to check it off and move faster, then that's not always the best option. All right. Another one that I know I'm guilty of um, is allowing personal feelings to cloud your judgment. And that's a really, really hard one. So I think I know when I was in nursing school, they talked to us about this, right? Like in with patients or certain situations, sometimes you have to really think how you feel about something own how you feel about it and accept that that's the way it is, but then you have to check it and leave it at the door. And remember that you are entitled to your feelings. You absolutely, um, you know, everybody can have an opinion. That is what it is. But then when we're taking care of a patient or we're teaching or whatever, we have to leave our feelings aside and we have to do what's best. And that's a hard thing to do, but just keep that in mind and keep yourself in check if you, you know, at all possibly can. Another one is you as the preceptor lacking self-confidence. And I think when you're new at this, especially, that's really hard. I know it was for me that I was always worried, oh my gosh, did I teach them everything that they needed to know today? Did I show them, you know, the right way to do this? Or did I make the right decision in this situation? And that comes with time and experience, right? As you get more under your belt, you'll feel better about it. But be confident that you were chosen to be a preceptor because you are the best of the best. You are selected because we have faith in you, that your manager has faith in you, that you can teach this and that you're going to be teaching that new person the right way to do things. So be confident that, you know, we wouldn't give you this if we didn't think you were capable. All right. Other squelchers of critical thinking, nonverbals like eye rolling. I know I'm guilty of that. Um, I try to check myself. I do not have a poker face and I need one, but eye rolling, not acceptable, right? That's very negative. Signs of boredom, like you'd rather not be there. No good. Smirking, sighing, like being exasperated, like my preteen daughter loves to do. Um, and it makes mommy just want to poker, but I'm trying not to poker, <laughs> but that sighing like you're exasperated and looking at the clock like you'd rather not be there. Those nonverbals are very much so clued in on by our preceptees and they, um, it makes them afraid to ask questions. It makes them afraid to go to you for help because they think they're a bother or a hindrance. And we definitely don't want that because I would much rather my preceptee asks me a hundred questions a day instead of make mistakes or be unsafe or feel like they don't know what I'm trying to teach them. And I know you guys are the same way too. And then finally, and this one is probably, I think the most important, um, and that we all need it is allowing for grace and forgiveness because none of us are perfect and we're all just trying to learn. So remember what it was like to be new and be kind. All right. So I love this model. So doctors, when they're in school, follow a one minute preceptor model. And it doesn't really work for, for nursing because there's just a little bit of a difference in what we do. But somebody thankfully adapted the one minute preceptor model into the five minute for nurses. So I'm going to walk you through the steps and give you an example. First step, step one, get the preceptee to take a stand. So what that means is we want them to state a general or non-specific, give comments or questions about a patient care situation. 
All right. And that'll make more sense here in a second. Just bear with me. We want them to purpose or we, me, meaning the preceptor. So like if I was giving the patient information to my preceptee, I would purposefully withhold relevant details to encourage my preceptee then to ask me questions to get more information. All right. So for example, I'm going to be the preceptor. And I'm going to say to my preceptee, tell me about what's going on with Mrs. Smith in room 14. So then the preceptee would give me a brief report. She had surgery for a small bowel obstruction yesterday. She has a nasogastric tube in place to low wall suction. When I came in this morning, I noticed that there's no drainage from the NG tube in the canister. It's about four hours later and there's still no drainage present. Patient's complaining of nausea. I'm going to call the doctor. Okay, so real general, what's going on with this patient? And then they gave me a report. All right. So then after they give that quick report, then the preceptor is going to probe for more information. We want supporting evidence for their stand. So this, the nurse, um, the new nurse was going to call the doctor, right? So after we listen to the preceptee's response, we're going to start asking them questions that elicit evidence for rationales. We're going to encourage them to think out loud, express their current knowledge of the situation, and assist um, the, oh, this is, also assist the preceptor in assessing learning needs so that they can be addressed. So not only are we going to pump them with questions, but it's going to let me know when there's gaps, right? So when they don't know something, and then I can help them learn what they're missing. So as the preceptor, I'm going to say, then, tell me why you feel that you should call the doctor right now. Okay, so then the preceptee, the new nurse, is going to say, since Mrs. Smith is only one day post-op from GI surgery, there should be more drainage from the NG tube, and right now there's not. This could indicate the nasogastric tube is not functioning. All right, so then step three, we're going to go over some general rules or guidelines, and we're going to share at the most, no more than three pearls of wisdom with our student or preceptee, okay? So as the preceptor, let's break that down. Here's our scenario and I'm the preceptor talking. So for any patient with an NG tube, we should assess the function of the tube and presence of suction material at the beginning of our shift and throughout our shift. In report, we're gonna question the amount of drainage from the previous shift and what it looked like. We should also check for bowel sounds and the presence of nausea and abdominal distension, which could indicate that there are stomach contents that are not being removed by section. So there we go. That was our assessment info, right? That's one pearl of wisdom from the preceptor. The preceptor is going to go on with the second pearl of wisdom that says in NG tubes like the Salem sump, you should hear a soft whistling sound from the blue pigtail, which tells us the tube's intact and working. All right, so that was checking the, the NG tube. So that was two things. And the third and final, we can insufflate air in order to push the tip of the tube away from the wall of the stomach. And then if the suction wasn't working previously, it should then start to work. After we do all of those assessments and then we find out the tube's not working, then you can call the MD. 
so they went through some problem solving things with them um, and taught them some general rules. So they went over some assessment rules, what you should check the pump for with this whistling sound, and then how if there is a problem that the pump is maybe up against the wall of the stomach, that they can remove that and then see if suction resumes. And after they do all three of those things, if it's not working, then they can call the doctor. All right, so then step four of the five minute preceptor model is to reinforce positive. So we're gonna share positive feedback and reinforce the precepty strength. So anything they did really well, we're gonna brag on them for. So the preceptor is gonna say, it's really good that you noticed that no suction contents were present when you started your shift. And at that point, you need to focus on this aspect of the abdominal assessment. So it's good to brag on them and reinforce those key points. Step five is to correct any errors or misinterpretations. So we're going to give them constructive feedback, right? We're going to correct them and help them build in any area that they're struggling with to help the preceptee improve understanding and future clinical performance. So as the preceptor, I would say before calling the doctor, we need to gather all of our evidence to support our statement including new vitals, new assessment data, new labs, whatever we might need, right? And we're going to put it in SBAR format. We're going to try to make sure that we've done everything we can to correct the situation and find a cause before we call because the doctor is going to probe us for questions and we want to make sure we have as much information as possible. Also, if you find a patient care issue early, we should communicate that and begin follow-up immediately. So this preceptor, and I love it, said, let's find the policy in NG tubes. And I think there's a video on the internet that we can watch as well. So they took that opportunity to teach and go through steps and show them everything that they need to do before they call the doctor and correct any misinformation. All right, that's all I have for you today on critical thinking skills. Here's a list of my references that I used for this PowerPoint. I hope you found it helpful. As always, if you have any suggestions on topics or any questions, feel free to contact Workforce Development, extension 2552, or see your nurse educator or nurse manager, and I'm sure that they can help direct you to me as well. Thank you so much.